We're so glad that you've tuned into our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jason Hale, and I'm the Nolensville Campus Pastor here at Rolling Hills. Today, we're jumping into our new series, The Greatest Adventure, where we will be studying the life of Moses and his calling, leadership, humility, and legacy. There's so much for us to learn from his life and how God used him to further his kingdom. Now here's Pastor Jeff. Well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today. Welcome to everybody here at our Franklin campus. Also, welcome to everybody who's joining us in our Nashville campus or our Nolensville campus today. So glad you guys are here and welcome to everybody online. Man, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about today because I believe God brought us here to hear from him. And we are launching this brand new summer series called The Greatest Adventure, and it's gonna be fantastic. I wanna tell you guys about a little adventure we had as a family. We went a few years ago, we went to a place called Zion National Park. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it is stunning. It's out in Utah, and we, we as a family love to hike. So we love to do like, you know, the hikes around here, or state parks, national parks, wherever we can go. We love to get outdoors and love to go hiking. And so we had heard there was this great hike there called the Narrows. And so we said, all right, we're gonna do it. We're gonna go. And so we get there late one night when we were there, and then we got up early the next morning because you have to go and rent some equipment. So we had to rent these boots and we had to rent these socks and this walking stick. So I got three kids, right? And Grace is about 16 and I think maybe he was 14 and Kate was 12 or something about that age. And we were, so we we're getting ready. So we get up at four in the morning, we go, we rent our equipment, right? We go down, we catch the shuttle bus because we want to be in the park when the sun is rising. And so we get in the park at 6.30 and we start our hike. And we're doing the hike, man. And in the Narrows, you hike about a mile until you get to the river. And then you start hiking in the river. So like you're going back and forth with these big rocks and you're hiking back and forth in the river. So there we are getting ready for our epic hike and we're, we're going down the river. Now, here's the thing, right? This is a big hike and we way underestimated this hike, okay? Let me just tell you right now. We thought, you know what, we've done Radnor. I mean, like, how hard is it, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, come on, right? So we take off, here we are, you know, 6.30 in the morning, we're going down, and I mean, it is like back and forth across the river, and then you get in, and it's kind of up to your ankles, but the further you go down, the higher the water gets until we're walking there, there's Mabry. She looks really happy there, doesn't she? Like, she's like having a great time. <laughs> like, Dad, what did you do to me? And uh, it gets higher. The water gets higher, like really up to your chest as you get further down. And so, like I said, we way underestimated this hike. We didn't really take a lot of food with us or a lot of water. And we're five miles in to this. And it's, you know, getting to be noon now. And our troops are getting a little hangry, right? You've ever been there? <laughs> hungry and angry, right? And so they're, they're kind of going, and maybe he's going up to people and going, we're weary travelers. Do you have food? You know, like, <laughs> she's trying to beg for food for everybody who's coming by. And Kate, our 12-year-old, is just worn out by now, you know, like, Dad. And so we get to the end, and it is just epic. It is beautiful. It's majestic. And we start the journey kind of getting back and then Grace and Lisa, my 16-year-old, takes a little tributary, and Grace crawls up this rock, and she's about 10 feet high, and then she realizes she can't get down. And she's up there, and she's like wet boots, you know, she doesn't want to slip, she's stuck. And then, all of a sudden, this guy comes by, and his buddy, and he's like this 22-year-old guy, and Lisa's like, yeah, he was jacked. I mean, he was like, and he comes by, and he says, do you need help, you know? And Grace is like, yes, you know? And he's like, jump. And she's like, okay. And she just jumps off into her arm like, what? 
who are you? You know, what is going on here? Who's Andrew? You know, what is happening? You know, but, but here she is, and Grace is happy. She loves to hike now. You know, it's like, this is great, Dad. And I'm like, what? And so here we are, right? And we start the journey back. And I'm telling you, it was like we get to the end, like at four o'clock in the afternoon, and we still have a mile to hike back, and we get to the hotel about 5, 5.30, and everybody is worn out, we're spent, and we're tired. But you know what? You ask our kids today, you're like, hey, what was your favorite part about that trip? And they're gonna go, the Narrows. <laughs> it was awesome, Dad. It was, it was the hardest thing we've ever done, but man, it was amazing, and it was so beautiful. And they'll just tell you the stories about what happened there. And I gotta tell you that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a great adventure. And we're gonna walk with the children of Israel as they go on a great adventure. We're gonna see as they leave Egypt and they're slaves in Egypt. I mean, the world power at the time and God delivers them and he takes them across the wilderness. And there's surprises that happen. There's times they're hungry. There's times God provides and takes care of his people. But he is bringing them to a beautiful place, a place he promised to their forefathers and they're so excited. But I wanna tell you guys, we're on an even more epic journey because we're on the greatest adventure. Our God and his sovereignty delivered you and me when we were slaves to sin, when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. God made us alive in Christ and it didn't stop there. No, he's leading us in your life, in my life, on a journey, on an adventure and the promised land awaits and it's heaven and it's gonna be more glorious than Zion National Park because God created that, right? It's more glorious than anything you could dream or anything that you can imagine and God is leading us. And along the journey, he's gonna provide, he's gonna protect. There are surprises happening in your life. There are things that you go, wow, I see God's hand of blessing and mercy, but I'm telling you, God's doing something great in you. And that's the journey God's inviting us on, and that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So if you have a Bible with you, I invite you up with me to Exodus chapter one. Exodus chapter one. So Old Testament, right, second book of the Bible if you're at one of our campuses and you need a Bible, they're in the back. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app or you can go to YouVersion and find the scriptures there. But I want you to see this today because it is so good and so deep and so rich. Now, Exodus literally means exit. That's what the word means. It means exit. But it follows Genesis, right? In Genesis, God created. God created man. And God created man for a relationship with him. And then man sins, right? Man says, I don't want to do it your way, God. We've all been there, right? I mean, we've all been there. And so sin comes to the world. Now you got a holy God and sinful man, but God doesn't give up on them. And God calls a guy in Genesis chapter 11 and 12, God named Abram and says, leave your country, your people, and go to a land I will show you, and I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. God carves out a people for himself from which he will ultimately bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for us. Praise God, Jesus, Right? And so you see there, you got Abraham in the Old Testament in Genesis, and then he has a son, Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Jacob has these 12 sons, and Joseph is one of these brothers. And his brothers get jealous of him, and they sell him into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt. And in Egypt, he interprets these dreams, and he becomes the second in command of all of Egypt. I mean, pretty incredible there at the end of Genesis. And then his brothers show up, and they're all scared. They're thinking, man, he's gonna punish us, right? And Joseph makes this remarkable statement there in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, what you intended for harm, God intended for good, the saving of many lives. And man, you can look back on your life and say, wow, 
God has provided me, he's protected me, you know? And I don't wanna carry around anger or bitterness or resentment toward anybody. And Joseph does that, and so he says, hey, you guys move down here to Egypt, and so they do. There's 70, right, of that clan of Abraham. They all move down to Egypt, and they have this beautiful land because Joseph's second in command, so he gives them Goshen, it's beautiful, and they take care of their herds and their flocks that are there. And now we have 350 years between Genesis and Exodus. And we pick up in Exodus chapter one and verse eight, and it says, then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have come, become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them and they forced labor and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. So this Pharaoh, this 18th dynasty, right? If you know history, right? He, he realizes, man, look at these Israelites. They came down with 70 and 350 years later by many estimates, probably around a million people now. And he's going, uh-oh, what if these guys rebel against us? What if they try to fight? What if they join with our enemies? So they put these slave masters over them, right? Make them build bricks, right? Hey, and then later on, bricks with no straw. And, and all of a sudden, this harsh treatment. And then you skip over to verse 22. It says, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Genocide, we're gonna wipe them out. We're gonna take care of them, those Israelites. And look at chapter two. Now a man of the tribe of Levi, that's the priestly tribe, married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put him along the reeds, among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. So Jochebed, this mom, right, takes her son, Moses, puts him in this basket. Miriam, his sister's walking along the side to see what will happen. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slaves to get it. Now, the Egyptians are polytheistic people, right? They worship many gods. And one of the gods was Ra, the sun god. But another god, little g, right, was the god of the Nile. And they believed that this god was the god of fertility. And so we're not sure if maybe Pharaoh's daughter couldn't have kids and all of a sudden she comes down to the riverbank and she sees this basket. And when she opened it, she saw the baby. <laughs> and he was crying. And she felt sorry for him. Just connected with her heart. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? I love that. Miriam just kind of steps up right there. Hey, do you need somebody to nurse him, right? You need one of the Hebrew women? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. I mean, how amazing, right? I mean, Jochebed worried that she was gonna lose Moses, puts him in this basket, and now Pharaoh's daughter says, hey, not only will you nurse the child, but I'll pay you. You raise your own child, you, you nurse him and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him 
to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Moses is now known as Pharaoh's daughter's son, right? And he grows up there in the palace. I mean, with all the luxury and all the expense and all the money and all the success. For 40 years, he's raised there. Until one day, after Moses had grown up and he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And looking this way at that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So Moses still in his heart, you're like, hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. And, and Moses, who was trained there, you know, with the Egyptian army, right? He knew jujitsu or whatever they had back then, right? He comes up and he sees this Egyptian beat him. He goes Jackie Chan on him, right? He kills this guy. He buries him in the sand and he looks around and he thinks, hey, I got away with it. Nobody knows. Well, the next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one who was in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh-oh. Then Moses was afraid. He thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. So Moses flees, he runs, he leaves Egypt, he leaves the palace, and he grows across the Red Sea, and he goes out into the wilderness, out into the desert area, and he, he comes to Midian, and Midian was just south of the promised land of God, and, and there he sits down by this well, now he's out in the middle of the desert, right? Uh, but there, God is still with Moses, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he meets this priest out there, he's got seven daughters, he falls in love with Zipporah, he marries her, and he has a son while he's out there. But look at verse 23. During that long period, I mean, he's out there for 40 years, and during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant. I love that. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God heard their cry. God remembered his promise. You know, when you are in Christ, God makes a covenant relationship with you. God remembers his promise. God always promises to take care of you, to provide for you. God is with you, and God is for you. And that's what we're gonna see unfold on the adventure ahead. So if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you've got a worship guide at Nolensville, Nashville, Franklin, grab that worship guide. There's some places to write down in the blanks. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app and you can go there and you can find some places to fill in as we take some notes today as we look at this. Notice this, number one, you were born for a purpose. Guys, you were born for a purpose. Please don't miss that today. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with pitch and then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Moses' name means to be drawn out. That's what she said, right? I'm gonna name him Moses. It means to be drawn out. But how incredible that God's gonna use Moses to draw his people out of Egypt. And God's gonna use Moses to draw his people out and lead them out of this land of slavery, this land of oppression. See, the fact is this, God is drawing you to himself. God's inviting you into that relationship. And God's gonna do great things in your life. You are not an accident. Now, maybe your parents didn't plan you, right? But God planned you. I mean, you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. 
God's got his hand on you. Just like God had his hand on Moses back in his day, God's got his hand on you in this day, in this time. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Why was I born now? Why was I born at this point in history? Why was I born in this place? Why was I born in this country? God, and God's got a purpose for you. God's got a purpose for you. See, the purpose of your life is this, to know God and to make him known. To know God and to make him known. There's a lot of people who live their life like they've got another purpose, right? Like their purpose is for the things of this world, their purpose is to run after all the stuff around, or their, their purpose is, you know, shopping or sports or whatever, and, and none of those things are bad, but man, when you figure out this is your purpose, to know God. I wanna know him, I wanna follow him, and then I wanna make him known. That God has blessed me, not just for me, but for me to be a blessing to others, for me to further God's kingdom. That's when life becomes alive for you. Moses got it. He lived it. See, God is preparing you for what God is preparing for you. Think about that for a moment. God is preparing you for what God is preparing for you. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. Moses was educated in the finest schools in Egypt. God had a plan there, didn't he? Hey, Moses, you're gonna be nursed by your mom and you're gonna be taken, you're gonna live there. Now, let me just tell you guys, 3,400 years ago when all this was happening, the Egyptians were the world power. Okay, they had the finest schools, they had libraries. I mean, they were writing in hieroglyphics, they were learning how to read and write. Moses is learning how to read and write there. They're learning all of this stuff. He's educated at like Harvard, okay? The Egyptians, they had like embalming procedures that we can't even replicate today. They had back then, they knew that the world was round, 3,400 years ago, right? There's even people today that don't realize that. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> they knew that like 3,400 years ago. Like, some people still think it's flat. But you know, they were like, wait a minute. Look at this. Moses has the best education that you could ever have. He's growing up there in these finest schools. In fact, a lot of people believe that Moses was probably next in line to be Pharaoh. He's getting that kind of education, that kind of training. See, God never wastes an experience in your life. I mean, I thought, why do I get to go to the schools that I get to go to? Because I mean, you, you went to incredible schools, right? Just by virtue of living in the United States, we've got an education. We are blessed beyond measure. Well, but God never wastes an experience. The whole time, God's been preparing you. The whole time, God's been working in your life. The whole time, God's given you these experiences in your life for a reason and for a purpose. And it's not just for you, and it's not just to make more money, or it's not just for you to be more successful, it's for you to further God's kingdom. Look at this. Realize that God is not finished with you. Realize that God's not finished with you. I think there had to be a moment for Moses when he fled from Egypt and he's out in Midian in the wilderness kind of going, well, I guess I'm done. Here I am at a well, here I am taking care of a herd and flocks, and I guess I'm done, right? No. Now, God's going, hey, I'm still at work. I'm still preparing you for something great. I'm still doing something in you. And maybe in your life, you think maybe your best days are behind you. No, 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 no. Your best days are still ahead. God's still at work in you. See, God is still writing your story. He's not done with it. And God has been preparing you for what God is preparing for you. 
And maybe God's preparing you to be a parent one day. Maybe God's preparing you to be a grandparent. You learned a lot the first time, right? You're like, yeah, hey, you're doing this. Maybe God's preparing you for a ministry. Maybe God's preparing you for a dream. Maybe God's been preparing you for a career. Maybe God's been preparing you for something great. And he's doing it right now. God's at work in your heart, in your life. Look at this. Don't fall in love with Egypt. I think this is the biggest challenge for all of us. One day after Moses had grown up, I want you to see this. He went out to where his own people were. And he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Moses identified with the people of God. You know, guys, think about this. Jochebed had a chance to nurse her child, probably till he was four or five years old before she took him to Pharaoh's. And in that time, that mom, (laughs) she gave her son a spiritual foundation. She poured into him and said, listen, know who you are. Know what God has made you to be. Know that God's gonna do great things in you and through you. Hey, moms, dad, listen, you're giving your kids a spiritual foundation that's gonna long outlast us, right? After we're gone, are they gonna be living for the Lord? Are they gonna be walking with him? And Moses identified with the people of God. He didn't just fall in love with Egypt. Egypt represents worldly success and pleasure. When you read throughout the Bible, it'll refer sometimes back to Egypt, right? And I'll say, well, Egypt, and that's the worldly success. That's the, you know, the power and rule and might. It represents all of that. But Moses had all the comforts, but he knew and he kept his heart for the one true God. He knew who he really was inside. He had all the comforts, and it would have been so easy for him to fall over the comforts and go, oh, yeah, oh, God, you know, I to take care of those people out there. I know they're being beaten. But, but no, he identified because he had a heart. He had a heart for God. You know, in the New Testament, there's Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame. It has all these incredible people who did these great things. Well, Moses is in the Faith Hall of Fame And here's what it says about him in Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. (laughs) Rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ, the Messiah, right? As of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses didn't fall in love with the palace. He didn't want to say, hey, I have this great bed. I'm just going to stay here and be comfortable all day. I have these servants. I got all this. No, he realized that there was still eternity to come. He realized that God was doing something bigger and God was doing something greater. And he chose to identify with the people of God. Man, do you love the comforts of this world more than pleasing God? And that's a tough question, guys. Because we live in the wealthiest nation that has ever existed. I mean, think about that for a moment. Throughout history, we're living in the wealthiest nation that's ever existed. And it would be so easy for us just to fall in love with the comforts, right? I'm just gonna relax, it's just gonna be me, man. I got my thing, I got my deal, it's just me. And we can fall in love with that instead of saying, no, I'm gonna pursue the one true God. I'm gonna follow him, I'm gonna trust him. You know what, I think that's why so many people struggle, right? They struggle with going on mission because I don't know if I can go, you know, because I got, what are the comforts gonna be? What's gonna happen? 
I don't know if I can give because I need to buy more stuff, more things. I don't know if I can invest in the things of God. But there will come a time, there will come a time for all of us. And you can just see how history ebbs and flows, but there will come a time when all of us will have to make a decision. Am I gonna stand up for God? Am I gonna speak up for him? And maybe it might cost me my job. Or it might cost me a promotion. Or it might cost me a raise. I mean, it might be for our kids. Are they gonna stand up for God when things are getting hard or difficult? Don't fall in love with Egypt. It's fleeting. Pleasures will not last. The things that are gonna last are the things of God. When we pursue him, when we fall in love with him, hey, look at this. Stay true to God all the days of your life. Stay true to God all the days of your life. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and he went to live in Midian. Moses found himself in the wilderness. He found himself in the wilderness. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. And you just kind of wonder, God, do you see? Hey, God, do you care? Do you know what's going on? Here I am, it's hard, it's challenging, it's difficult. And God goes, yeah, I see. Yeah, I care. And I'm still at work in you. See, God took Moses to the wilderness to prepare him for greatness. You remember those first 40 years he spends there in the palace? What was God doing? He was educating Moses. Who wrote the first five books of the Old Testament? Moses. Where did he learn to read and write? Egypt. The next 40 years, he's out in Midian. What's God doing there? He's teaching Moses to trust him. He's teaching Moses to be spiritually dependent on him. He's growing him spiritually, right? Egypt, polytheistic, he's saying, no, 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 no. You worship me, you fall in love with me. And it's in the challenges and the difficulties many times when we grow the closest to God. But what's God also doing in Moses' life in these next 40 years? When he's in Midian, what's he showing him? Hey, look around, Moses. You lead the sheep. You, you're out here with the sheep. You're walking around this place, but you know what? A few years from now, you're gonna go and lead some people who are gonna walk out of Egypt and have no idea of where to go. But I'm showing it to you right now. See, sometimes your misery becomes your biggest ministry. Maybe you went through a divorce. It was hard, and you were heartbroken. But maybe God's gonna use that in your life for you to walk with somebody else through that time. Maybe in your life there was a time that was a challenge or a struggle and God's gonna redeem that and restore that as you walk with somebody else. Maybe it was a challenge being a teenager for you and God's calling you to teach and preschool children, students, and raise up the next generation and say, hey guys, listen, I went one way, I don't want you to go that. Or maybe you had a great growing up and say, hey, people poured into me and I wanna pour into you and I wanna disciple you. Maybe there's something in your life, you go, God's blessed me and given me the ability to make money or to be successful or to have this dream or to do ministry. I could use it to further God's kingdom, but God never wastes an experience. And for those 40 years of education, those 40 years of spiritual growth, and at 80 years old, we'll see it next week, God's gonna call Moses to go back and lead his people out. And everything in his life was preparing him for that moment. God's been working in your life, and God's working in your life right now. Even when you don't understand it, God is. God is. God is working in your life. That's awesome. 
God's drawing you to himself. Maybe you're thinking, hey, somebody invited me to church today, or maybe you just moved here, you know, from California or New York or someplace. Maybe you're here. But you know what? God brought you here for a reason. Maybe you grew up here, and you're just saying, man, there's something missing in my heart and my life. God's drawing you to himself. God's inviting you into this relationship with him. Why? Because God has a great plan for your life. Moses had his day. Disciples had their day. This is your day. This is my day. This is our time. And God is at work in you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God's at work in you. You know, as a church, uh, Rolling Hills, we have a Cambodian congregation. Now, a lot, a lot of people know that, but we have a Cambodian congregation that meets at our Nashville campus. And the pastor of our Cambodian congregation is a guy named Pastor Kim Sam. And Pastor Kim Sam is remarkable. I hope you, every one of us you know, get to spend time with Pastor Kim Sam. Pastor Kim Sam grew up in Cambodia. He grew up in the 70s, in the late 70s, early 80s, when I don't know if you knew this, but there was the whole Communist Party genocide of Cambodia. It killed 2.5 million people out of the 8 million in Cambodia. It was some of the darkest, hardest days you could even imagine. There was a movie made called The Killing Fields all about this. Well, Pastor Kim Sam was born and grew up there, and, and when all the genocide started to happen, he took his wife and his two-year-old son and had to flee through the jungle just trying to make it to a refugee camp or to make it to Thailand. And I want you to watch his story right now. Sometimes I look at to the sky. I'm struggle. I'm struggle. So kind of, kind of my heart is looking for depend on to see what I going to be to the future. I should be die five times in Cambodia, but the Lord is been knowing me, been calling me since I was born. Me and my wife, we try to sneak out to Thailand. So the time between between border and where I am take about 15 days. We walk at night. When it start dark night, you have can you have walk step by step because they, they have so many bad soldiers around the border. So I had to walk two, three yards and I come back to get Sarah. So that's why it takes so long. And some place, they easy, but my, my way is not easy. A lot of people die. I remember the stories that my mom and dad have shared with me growing up um, of how they had to go through the jungle to survive and hopefully not land on any landmines just to make it through to the border to Thailand where they could find refuge uh, for the moment in refugee camps. It's been just amazing that they made it this far and for all of us to have been born in refugee camp and raised there and, and to make it to America is just an 
a sounding story. And, and just to know that through it all, they were faithful. I go to somebody, have Bible study. They asked me to nail down. When I nailed down, he put his hand on me, on my head. And he said, he closed his eyes, said, Father, use this man to be your servant. When I come to United States, 300, I don't know why, put hand on me the first month. Lord, use this man, the same word the Lord used. And after that, he said, Kim, Nashville, they need pastor. So growing up, we always had the most random people live with us. We were just an open place to accept anyone who was in need. And so we got used to growing up with a lot of different people and it made it for a lot of fun, for sure. But it also showed the humble heart of my, my parents and how God really used them to just love people no matter where they came from. You remember early, early church, when he put the spirit on him, or on everybody believe? Had to be go out to tell everybody the same purpose that the Lord been teaching me. I know that it was a God plan from the very beginning, from before I was even born. Just to know that God can call you out of extreme circumstances for a bigger purpose. And this journey that you're going through, no matter how hard the trials, no matter if you're about to lose your life, to know that we are all here today because of God. It just shows how much He loves us. And that's our purpose here, is to extend that love, to share that God has a story for everyone. There is a purpose for everyone, and He can use you. It's amazing, and what God's done in Pastor Kim's life, and, and just to see him now, his four children, you know, three of them were born in that refugee camp, and, and now they're here, they all have children, they're all serving in the church, they're all there, and making an impact and making a difference. And I just see that, and I just think, God, you're sovereign. And God, you got a bigger plan than I can even dream or even imagine. And guys, just like God was with Moses, protecting him in the middle of the Nile, it's like God was with Pastor Kim Sam. God's been with you. And if you think back over your life and all the things that could have happened in your life, and yet, here you are today. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Don't miss it. God's got bigger plans for you. Trust him. Follow him. Maybe today is a day of salvation, and you just say, you know what? I've been living for the things of this world. I want to live for God. God's got an adventure for me. I want to follow him. I want to trust him. Maybe God's calling you to be baptized. You never have, you've always been scared. Maybe God's calling you to follow. Maybe in your life, you know what, just looking around and saying, man, I wanna love people well. I wanna love people well. 
God, here's my life. Everything in me, God, for your glory. I don't know what lies ahead, but God, I know you do. And I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna trust you. Don't let me fall in love with Egypt because you're working in my heart and in my life. And God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God's here. And God loves you with an everlasting love. You were born for a purpose. Maybe today you just go, God, here's my life. I give my heart to you. Jesus, come be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. Maybe today you just look at your life and you go, man, I've started to fall in love with Egypt. (laughs) And God, let me fall more in love with you. Let me trust you. Let me open my heart, let me open my home, let me open my life. Let me bless people around me. Let me love people well. God, I'm yours. Let me teach my kids about Jesus, my grandkids. Let me leave a legacy for you. So Father God, here we are, your disciples. Just like you had a plan for Moses, you've got a plan for us. And so today, God, we put our faith and our trust and our hope in you. God, meet us in this moment right now and change us forever. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.